you're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions 8, the Google Ads Agency. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide for Google Ads, Chapter 3. You guys have no idea how many takes that took us, right? (laughs) We're 45 minutes into our day already. We're going to go over search campaigns. Now, we went yeah. over search campaigns in chapter one, but that was specifically for brands. So mm-hmm. brand search and then generic search are very different beasts, aren't they, John? Yeah, use different match types, different bidding strategies. And we're going to kind of walk you through a scenario for each because sometimes in search, you want to be really inexpensive in your CPC looking for a specific type of person, but may not have a really nailed down keyword or the other way where you have your keywords really optimized, you're looking for position and you're going to want to really own a market for small select group of keywords that potentially may not scale. So we're going to go through a couple of different scenarios. Let's find uh, the pros and cons for each and tell you exactly how to beat Google at its own game. Now, question for you, John, that I know is on everybody's mind. How much information do you hold back and reserve only for clients? <clears throat> Little tiny bit. It's more of just like the newest strategies that we don't want to release to the public just yet because we have a lot of clients and a lot of our clients are in competition with other agency clients. So we might test something that we have haven't released yet and test for a few months. And once we get all of our clients on board with the new strategy and it's been working, then we shoot a video about it to say like, hey, here's what we saw. This is what we did. Here's the results. I think videos are kind of useless when you're like, hey, I'm going to test this out. I'll let you know how it goes. And people are yeah. like, all right, So cool. it's a confidence factor. <laughs> I mean, once we're confident, we release everything. Right. Yeah. That was the yeah. answer I wanted. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Here. I'm a man of many words. <laughs> I'm excited, man. Let's do it. Let's dive in. Cool. All right. First thing, let me just get this. So this is, should be a fairly familiar screen to everyone. This is when you're clicking on a create a new campaign. And there's a few different ways that you can run a search campaign. For the most part, it's going to be really simple just to set up without a goal guidance. It's a search campaign. It You don't really necessarily need to choose a campaign objective. It's just going to choose a bidding strategy for you. But we're going to discuss different bidding strategies and why they're useful in each scenario. But we're just going to click create a campaign without a goal guidance. Click search. This one here, I'm in a different client account right now, but I just needed to, I needed to have something that was available. Choose whatever conversion actions you want to track for search. Could be phone calls, could be you know imported leads that you're counting again. Could be whatever it is. Just choose the specific conversion goals that are right for you. You can skip this part here and I'm just going to call this a search campaign because I'm so bidding strategy. Again, this is where things get a little bit wonky, where you can choose a different bidding strategy that would probably work better for you in exact phrase match. But right now it's not giving us any choice. We have to choose an automated bidding strategy, which is why it's called you versus Google and the ultimate guide to Google ads. So not ignore this part right now, but if you wanted to use manual and we'll talk about why you want to use manual after we create the first one, you can just you have to choose an automated bidding strategy and then afterwards go back in and change it because it's horrible. This one here is maximize conversions. This is the bidding strategy here. This here is maximize conversion value. Either one you choose, you can set a TROAS or you can set a TCPA. For clicks, I don't recommend this one, not for this strategy. This strategy, we're going to be talking about broad match, but it's really interesting. I always would recommend using a conversion-based bidding strategy, whatever you can. If you want to run manual, that's going to be a different scenario. And we'll talk about that afterwards. But for broad match, which is what we're talking about now, we're going to create a broad match search campaign. And we're going to really need an automated bidding strategy because broad match can go like its name, extremely broad. You can have five keywords show up for no joke, 10,000 different variations of that word. If you're optimizing for clicks, 
you're going to get some relevant, some irrelevant, and that's it. Google did its job. It says, I got you the most amount of relevant and irrelevant clicks. Well, that's bad because you got the most amount of irrelevant clicks you could. So you kind of asked what you wanted of Google and maybe not thought about is that actually what you want? It's kind of like choose your wishes, you only get three, choose them carefully. Same thing with impression share. Impression share is going to move you up to the specific impression share that you want, whether it's first page, top of page, number one. But again, the intent of the user is not taken into consideration with these bidding strategies. So you're not necessarily optimizing for conversions. You may want them. You probably do want them, but don't focus on volume or positioning in a broad match campaign. You want to use conversions or conversion value if you're choosing a value for the specific type of conversion. Especially for the folks that are just starting out. There used to be use cases for maximized clicks, especially with exact match search. Mm -hmm. If you knew the exact phrase, this is how you crack the code on real estate investing. I don't even know if you remember this. So like yeah. we knew the exact phrases that converted. But when I say we, I mean you. And then <laughs> it was just maximized clicks on those phrases. But with the expansion of match types, do you think that using those more broad bidding strategies narrows the match type expansion? Or do you think it's just a catastrophe all around? I think I think it's a slight catastrophe for a click-based bidding strategy like Maximize Clicks because when you look at the surface of Google, you're looking just at what the metrics that Google gives you. Maximize Clicks looks very good because what Maximize Clicks does is it starts at the bottom of the page, sometimes page two, and slowly works its way up in CPC to gain you the most amount of clicks for your daily ad spend. The problem is when you look at the conversions, and then you look at the close rate, your close rate is often lower because what you're doing is you're putting yourself at about third or fourth on the page, potentially fifth considered and trying to get a local appointment from your neighborhood. And you're, if you're the third or fourth considered, sometimes it means that they couldn't work with the first or second in the search. And then they get to you and they say, yes, I need, can I come in for you? I have this obtuse medical plan that no one else takes. And you're like, yeah, I don't take it either. So now you're getting quote unquote conversions, but they're not actually turning into sales. So maximize clicks with any viable strategy for maximize clicks. Like, is there any reason that you'd use it? Yeah. I would say that if you wanted to find a good position without having to run manual, you can run exact match on maximize clicks and give it about two weeks at a healthy enough budget and then say, okay, I can get a 60% top search impression share at $2.87 for these mm -hmm. keywords. And then you turn it into manual and then you take that 276, you bump it up to 325 and you try to get a good second position and you nailed it. Before you have to kind of like say $5 and then you find out that you overspent and then work your way down. So there is a use case for it. It's just, you have to invest into it. That's really smart. Yep. Cool. So we're going to take conversions. I'm just, I'm not going to use a TCPA. Target John, you can get more conversions at a similar CPA by setting <laughs> target and staying unconstrained by budget. I know. It's so funny too, because they say unconstrained by budget, but literally what this does is constrain the budget. <laughs> it's so dumb. I don't understand. We we get calls from Google and they're like, hey, we you should set a target return on aspen. I'm like, why would I cut my budget in half? They're like, huh? And it just happens every single time. And then I show them like five use cases in that same account. I'm like, this is why I'm running max conversions. And then they all just kind of like, oh, okay, that, I guess that makes sense. Until the next person from Google calls me and we do it all over again. But a target cost per acquisition, this is really important to know about bidding strategies. Target cost per acquisition tells Google, I'm going to put this at 50. Do not spend a dime unless you're fairly certain that you're going to get a conversion at $50 or under. But if Google says this conversion is going to cost me $91. It says, I'm just not going to show my ad because I'm going to fall outside the goal. So when it says unconstrained, it's 
incorrect. What this will do is if you hit target CPA and you type in 40 and I've set my budget to $1,000 a day, it's going to spend $238 of it, let's just say. And now we're, ta-da, we're all done. Like, good job. You get all the leads that you wanted. But then you turn this off, for example, and you find that it starts to test more. And sometimes I've seen the CPA lower because what Google doesn't know about a person is if they're going to convert or not. So it hides. But if it did show, would they have converted? We don't know. So sometimes you can actually get the same or lower CPA by removing that TCPA. It's really an odd scenario where I'll give you a good example, too. If you're an emergency clinic, that's what we'll, we'll talk about right now, vet, veterinary clinic. If you're an emergency clinic, how is Google going to ever use its historical information about a user to show your ad or not? Whether you're a 19-year-old male or a 71-year-old female, there's nothing about your demographic that is going to be a signal to Google because your dog's choking on a chew toy right now. <laughs> so <clears throat> what's interesting about that is it, it starts to limit its knowledge about a person. It says, well, this person likes crocheting. They watch mash on TV. They go to church. I don't think that this person is going to convert because they typed in my dog is choking on a chew toy. It's kind of becomes irrelevant at that point. Situational is different than demographic. So understand your audience and understand that Google is going to make predetermined decisions based on what it thinks a user is going to or is not going to convert on emergency short sale cycles. I'm thinking like if you have a restoration company that needs to, or an emergency plumber, all those automated bidding strategies do is hurt your campaigns because they don't know what a person is going to convert on when all of your audience demographics are different because it's a situational issue. So just know that for example. Cool. So here we see Google again, screw us up here. Search partners should be tested, but should be monitored. I actually have a different campaign to share with you. I just did a evaluation on an account the other day. Actually, it was yesterday. I don't know time very well. But this account here, which is really funny, you'll see this. This will be blurred, but pretty high spend account. You'll see this here. So last 30 days, this is a small case for it. Now, I'll share with you the progression as to why this is bad and why I say you have to watch it carefully. So here's the Google Display Network, and then here's Search Partners. What you'll see here is in this campaign, which is blurred, we have 56,000 out of 59,000 at the top, and then we have 861 at the bottom, which is the bottom of the search. And we spent $1,200 on display, another 328 on search partners. Now, the search partners did get a conversion, and it was actually a fairly, it was a good conversion. Now, the cost per conversion was more than double what the average cost per conversion is at the top of Google. So they spent 328 instead of 141. And then the $1,279 that they spent on display got nothing. And it gets exacerbated when you're talking about high CPC or low CPC areas. So this here is a Google Display Network. Now, this doesn't look that bad. Out of $2,000, they spent $300 on the Display Network. And they got zero conversions, where at the top, it was getting $258 at $6 a conversion. So that's huge. Google Top, $6 conversions. Display Network, zero. And they spent about 15% of their budget on it. Here's the fun part. Now, fast forward from last 30 days to last seven days. And what's interesting about this is the display network as soon as this loads. So here's what's fun is now last week, though, we still spent 225 out of 1,000. Now this is 25% of our budget. It's gotten worse re more recently. Why? Well, it's a higher CPC than the top of search. That's bad. <laughs> That's not good. But Google loves money. So now they figured out that the display network is more expensive than the top of search. And I'm spending a quarter of my budget. And I'm still not getting conversions. So when I say Google display network, 
absolutely watch it. You need to watch it. We always spent 13 cents on the search partners. We didn't get anything. But all you have to do is go into your campaigns, click segment, click top versus other, and it will tell you where your ads are showing and what is a conversion. So as at the top, usually is the best. And then display network or search partners. Sometimes these work really good. They can absolutely work really, really well. Most of the time they don't. But <laughs> Google will default because... Be a good parachute salesman. <laughs> right, <laughs> You need this to save your life. Sometimes they make a little whoopsie daisy, but I've never heard any complaints from a person whose parachute didn't open. I'll just say that. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> so let's turn those off because that's just not a good idea. I know. Google's... No, wait a minute, John. If you were to enable search network, you'd expand your reach with Google search partner. You know what's the best thing about this lie right here? How display works is when you run out of search audience, it takes the delta between what you spent and what your daily budget is and just blows it on a random audience on display. We have more inventory to sell. Right. It's like, okay, you just spend $2,000 a day and you may only have budget for $400 of inbound search. Like, let's say you're that dentist looking for a cosmetic procedure and you can spend $400 a day, which is awesome. But you said $2,000 because you want to capture everything. If you enable search or display, you're going to spend $1,600 running banner ads on random sites and only $400 of what you want. But you'll spend the full budget and you're none the wiser and Google may just made you know, four times as money or five times. I can't math. But that's what's really interesting is it will eat into your daily budget when the search volume is too low, but you'll still spend your full spend. And it's so bad. It's such a lie. So yeah, just know that's what that does. All right. Locations. Again, it's up to you. Whatever your locations need to be, just make sure that you open up this location options and tick this box here because we don't want people who have shown interest in your target locations like United States because then your ad shows obviously in different countries. Anybody that has an interest in the United States, who are those people? Man, that is a wide audience. So make sure this is clicked. So this way, people that are in or regularly in your target locations are only going to be the ones that see your ad. If people travel from to and from a specific place, you're going to show the ad to where they're currently in, even though they may travel to a location that they are frequently in. So just know that that's the difference there. Typically, it's pretty good, though. It doesn't really usually go out of the country too much. But if you are looking at a map and you're talking about a very specific geographical location, like let's say Phoenix, Arizona, people that are in Scottsdale or Mesa or Tempe or Chandler, if they work in Phoenix, they're going to see your ad. So just know that there's a margin of error because people are mobile and you're targeting their mobile device kind of by default. Next, for search, I actually usually just click off all English and use all languages. You're going to be bidding on search terms. Now, here's the funny part is Google is getting multilingual. I've actually been seeing search terms in different languages that when I when I Google translate them, because I only speak horrible English, I see that it's a search term that is actually really, really good. Like you might say like dentist office near me, but written in Spanish. That's okay. As long as that person is maybe bilingual that's searching or the company may be bilingual, it's great. But just know that Google will do that. And sometimes that's okay. Just depends on if you can. Just out of curiosity, that. if you see a lot of that, let's say dental office is a really good example. You don't have dental practitioners or you know a hygienist who speaks Spanish. Mm -hmm. Should you just come in here and jump pump in English to protect yourself? You can. I would pump this one over to English, which is good. But you can also negative out those keywords. So that that will be and make sure they're exact match, but you can negative out. Sometimes you get a little bit of a kind of a cat and mouse game where you're just constantly like whack-a-mole. It's like a new one comes up. You cancel that one until a different one comes up. But what's nice is it's very infrequent. Probably if there is a high Spanish speaking population, it seems to be like one out of every hundred times. So it's not too bad, but just know that's something you have to contend with. Well, and if there's a high Spanish speaking population, it's dangerous to have English only because they might have settings on the browser that would inhibit them from being able to see your ad, even if they're searching in English. Yeah. And it might be something really, really simple, like an emergency chiropractic. Like they are going to come in, they need it, they're going to pay it. You don't have to have a big sales process 
And sometimes someone that is maybe a little bit not fluent in English can get by. Great. It, just think about those situations too there. Audience segmentation. This one, you can overlay an observation, which I think is a good idea. Be very careful with this. These change very often. So what I mean by that is if we're looking at, let's just say autos and vehicles, and we're looking at specifically motor vehicles, and we're looking at new, this is good. This is usually a fairly static audience. Now there's outliers that sometimes mess you up. In October, November, 90% of all of our conversions in pretty much every account in the United States have like holiday shopper and Black Friday shopper and things that are seasonal. So just know that this is not a static in-market audience. They ebb and flow between in-market and out-of-market specifically for you. So let's say I'm a car dealership and I'm losing autos and vehicles, motor vehicles, new. Good. Now, the bad part is my motor vehicles is also technically a new scooter. That is a motor vehicle, and that is autos and vehicles. You might have a really good week, and then you might have a really bad week, because that's because the RV people moved in and the car people moved out. So don't treat this as a static audience that's also perfect. Just It's going to have an ebb and flow to it. So just be careful about it. I usually like observation. Make your bidding adjustments if and when you want, and only on manual, because Target CPA just kind of ignores your bid adjustments anyway. So just know that that's a thing here. But I use a sparing just because it's not always dependent. My keywords usually are really dependent. They work well, or sorry, dependable. They work well. Audience segments, a little bit of wishy-washy depending on the industry. Here's funny, as automatically created assets. This is actually not bad. This one, I've seen some good stuff out of it. So one of the things was they actually were able to scrape my homepage hero image, and then they used a cropped version of that as a image extension. If you don't want to, or if you're not going to monitor very closely, or you're not really caring about exactly how your ad sounds, you can use the automatically created assets. And it basically just says, hey, we're going to help you generate headlines and descriptions and other assets, which is ad extensions. But this will fully automate your ad building experience. Question about this. If it pulls in automated assets during the campaign build process, you get to review and approve them. Are you also now giving Google the permission to change and update those ads in, on an iterative scale? Yeah, which sometimes is good, sometimes bad. Right. If you start to revise your website, it'll revise the ads to it. It'll take in your page title and your page description and your H1 through H6 tags in order primarily in order to build its ads. So if you really like your website and you're like, your page title is home, know that that's probably going to be in your ad. But if you have like your homepage is the world's best Google ads agency, there you go. There's ad headline number two, for example. So just know that it's going to be pulling and customizing within reason what's on your website in order to build your content. So it's like final URL expansion. Yeah. Or like a DSA campaign. Right. Yeah. Dude, this is, we're just, every time I see something like this, it's one step closer to just giving Google a domain name and a credit card and letting it go. You know, what's good is like people like us that actually works well. This may be the gateway drug to Google ads. It's like, yeah, people that are just kind of starting off and they want something that's just good enough. People that are like low spend, they don't really care and they just want to have an automated. Those wouldn't be like a good ad ads agency client because typically your fees is going to be more than what they're spending in Google ads anyway, like four or $500 a month, maybe. So I think this is good because it does help like kind of make that first step into Google. And if they start to see some success and they want to scale, but they don't know how, then they, then they become our clients. So I like it. I kind of like it. It's a little bit nerve wracking because you see, you know, some odd things, but then if you hop in, you're like, yes, it only made actually seven out of 15. Your quality, your ad strength is actually average. We need to get that up to excellent. We need to create another RSA, blah, blah, blah. Like we can shepherd them through again, using that term as of yesterday, the process of actually getting this thing built out and having a really kick-ass Google ads account. So I'm going to use, I'm going to turn this off right now. Ad rotation, 
leave that alone. I don't even know why they even offer this. It's weird. And then what's funny is you can t- do not optimize. And then when you create the campaign, auto apply comes in and changes that for you. Anyway, <laughs> start the end date, leave that ad schedule. Again, this may be relevant to you in a search campaign. If you have a brick and mortar location and people that need to answer the phone, but all, you're missing out on the people that are finding you the day before and then calling you the day after because the day before, but they found you. So just know that that's a thing. We're going to skip UTM parameters and dynamic search ads. We're not talking about that in this one here. All right. Now we're going to use keywords and ads. I'm going to use that emergency clinic again. What I'm going to do actually is I'm going to use an actual emergency clinic. So I'm going to enter in a URL to scan and I'm going to ask it to give me keyword suggestions. I do like this here. It works pretty well. I, again, like it's 90% there. If for broad match, it's, it's amazing, honestly. Mm. So here's the keywords and inside of the Google keyword planner, that's what this is here. This area right here is exactly the same as if you went to keyword planner and did the, the actually, can I open this up and tap? Cool. It's the same exact thing. If you go into keyword planner and you can discover new keywords, start with the website, paste that in there, use the entire site, get results. A lot of times this is going to be almost identical. It's the same tool. So you can kind of see all the, the search terms here. This works really well for broad. The reason why I say it works well for broad is because exact match, I'm not going to have emergency vet care and emergency vet care near me. I'm just going to choose exact match vet care as I'm still going to have near me because exact match keywords are close variants, which is basically also a phrase match. Everything we knew about match types is gone now. Broad match is still very broad. Phrase match is more like broad match modifier used to be. And exact match is now phrase match. And there is no such thing as exact match anymore. For the sake of the education here, John, just let's assume that we're, mm-hmm. there's maybe some newbies that are watching. Will you show them the difference between broad phrase and exact just visually so they know what they, what they look like? Sure. So you talk about like what they look like here? Yeah, just do yep. the quotes in the brackets. Yep. So this is a broad match. What this will do is broadly match to any search term that is closely related. So, so this you could may... be 24 animal vet could be like all day pet hospital. It can even just be vet. You can either choose to use that or not. Mm-hmm. Animal vet. I've, I mean, you can have like how to tranquilize a horse. I kid you not, that would show up. So it is. So broad anything... match is really an articulation of intent. Hey, Google, we want people whose intent could be 24 hour animal vet. And then Google from an AI perspective says, okay, I think someone who wants to tranquilize a horse needs a 24 hour animal vet. And right. you could get how to tranquilize a horse inside of 24 hour animal. Yeah, that's what's really scary is like this thing will go very broad. So when you're talking about maximized clicks, you're going to get every relevant and irrelevant search term wow. regardless. Anybody going to Google and typing in a question that has to do about animal health, you're going to show up. That's the bad part with maximized conversions. It has a built in sort of like a negative keyword tool inside of it. Because with maximized conversions, it says, I've gotten three clicks in the last three days of how to tranquilize a horse, and I didn't see a conversion. I'm going to stop showing up for that keyword. So it has a fail safe in there that it will stop overspending for keywords that do not convert. Those keywords that do not convert are the irrelevant ones. You can negative out those irrelevant search terms, but just know that you're the police that show up like after a murder to try to stop it from happening again. A lot of times it's one impression, one click, and it's not going to happen again. And you're just going to use that analogy before the police are showing yeah. after the murder. That's yeah. <laughs> right. And what's funny is like, you know, that was how to tranquilize a horse. But then the other search was, can a horse die after being tranquilized? Then you're showing up for that one. You're like, oh, God, I got a negative that one out. You're just going to play whack-a-mole. It, there's basically try to exclude the English language from your negative keywords. 
that's exact match is what you're doing. You're basically just trying to make an exact match scenario. Just use exact match. Broad match is going to be all the different ways, shapes, and forms that people can type in anything related to these keywords here. Usually they're pretty good. Like if you have a good search volume for these here, 90% of that will be that, you know, vet open now emergency, pet clinic, you know, that kind of stuff. It'll, it'll be close enough and it'll be 90% effective. And over time you'll be, you know, 99% effective after about three months. So this is still very good because especially with the animal emergency clinic, people are panicking. They're looking for someone now. That turns me in, it turns this into the, the bad idea as to why you would not want to use broad. So if you would not want to use broad because you're not going to want to show up for every single variation of pet emergencies, you want to be found at the top because these are people that will pay thousands of dollars to the first person that answers the phone because Pluto's throwing up constantly. So just know that's the crazy part is, and this is an animal emergency clinic that we're talking about here too. So I have some experience in this, but top positioning could be in the great profitable night or not. So when you see 24 hour vet here, for example, if I use phrase, which you put the quotes around this, now what this is going to do is you'll get terms like open now. You will get 24 hours. You'll get open at 11 PM. Like you'll get some variations of hours and the animal vet, you'll get emergency vet, animal hospital, animal clinic. Like you'll still biggest variation you've ever seen in phrase match. I had one for us. It was like the best or like top Google ads agency. And I just show up for ads, ADS, like just ads. And I was like, where's the other half of my search string? (laughs) It was just gone. I know there's probably some more, but that was like the one that was like, this isn't even this closely related. And yes, it included one of them, but phrase match used to be, it needs to have at least these four search terms in the search string. They cannot be animal vet that's open 24 hours. That wouldn't show up. It had to be 24 hour animal vet. It couldn't have anything between. It had to be a range of weight. You can have things in front. You can have things behind. Like what is a 24 hour animal vet that is open now? Like that would show up but not what is an animal vet that is open 24 hours that would not show up. So I understand why Google changed it from phrase match to close variant, which means we know what you're doing. We'll give you like what we think is the most relevant. And the tighter you make that match type, whether it's phrase or exact, which looks like this, this exact match is still not going to be exact match. You will get much closer though. So a 24 hour animal vet might be animal vet that's open 24 hours or animal vet that's open now. Like you'll get those, but they're going to be very, very consistent, close to what the keyword is. Now, when we're talking about exact match or phrase match, or we're talking about needing to show up fairly frequently and at the top, you're going to want to use a manual bidding strategy. You're going to want to bid to a very specific placement. That's going to be important. Broad match, it doesn't help you if you have an emergency situation and you're found at the bottom of the page. You're dead in the water. Because you don't see blood and then be like, animal vet now, and then scroll all the way down and be like, oh, thank God. You're not. You're just going to hit the first thing that you see because your beloved family member is hurt. It's the same thing with calling 911. That's why there's only one number for it. Can't just call a private hospital and be like, what do you charge for? You know, it doesn't work like that. It's an emergency. You need it now. So the same thing with emergency plumbing, animal services, whatever it may be that has a high sense of urgency. Bid for position. And that's a use case for exact. On broad, you're not always at the top. You're at the top when certain criteria is met where that's a good keyword that shows a good amount of conversions and then I'll bid fairly aggressively for it. So it can still work well, but generally you're not breaking into like 95% top search impression share or absolute top search impression share, which means number one at all. It just doesn't work that way because to maximize conversions, you need to pay less cost per click to get more clicks 
to get more conversions. That's how you maximize the conversion. How deep you can dive down this rabbit hole. I mean, each of these, the bid strategy that you're using is going to influence the key phrases that you use, is going to influence the ad copy that you like. It's just, you have to keep it all. It's three-dimensional chess. Yeah, and, it, and then it changes because then people are like, what's the best bidding strategy? I'm like, tell me everything you know about yourself and I'll help out because it's so situational. <laughs> it's horrible, but it's good stuff at the same time. Keeps us you know, busy. So that's, I'm going to use broad. These keywords are absolutely fine. Just know that only about five of these are going to show up most often because they all overlap. 24-hour animal, animal vet also is going to show up for a 24 emergency vet. So these keywords are going to overlap. That's okay. Broad is not an exact science. It's more of like a shotgun approach. Like any keyword you think as closely possible, fine. This will show up for no joke, a million different search terms. It's, that's a potential. So your keyword strategy on broad is easy. Ads, again, I'm just going to skip the ad build out in depth, but because I, I'm not creative at all, but just, so, let me just see here. Do I still have that one? So here, I'm just going to use this here. Phone number can be really important if you're a lead generation and you're, okay, I'm going to skip the in-depth ad creation here just because it's going to be, you know, pretty, fairly situational, but I want to make some key points for lead generation. You will want to make sure that your phone number is visible in the headline. If that's something that you're going to be tracking and you can take calls. That is super important, though, for search ads, especially lead generation. E-commerce, not so much. We are going to have to blur this one out here. So I just want to make note that's what you see blurred out on the screen. That's just the call extension. So that's static right now, even though I didn't add it. It's in the account. So just know that that's what you're missing there. It's just a client's phone number, so I don't want to share it. But the headline and the ad strength, we discussed this in our brand campaign to leave you know your ad headlines not pinned because you're going to give lower ad strength. Does it really matter? A little bit. You can see a little bit of variation between CPC, but it really depends on if that keyword is getting conversions. Sometimes you have a low ad strength, but you get 15% click-through rate and $4 conversions and everything's hunky-dory. At that point, it doesn't really matter. Google's just going to reward you for having a good ad. That matches up with a good keyword. But this is where I would say is going to be really important for a really well-diverse ad, especially if you're going to pay for that top placement with phrase or exact on manual. You want to make sure that your ad is very well built out because when you bid for position, any chance that you can get to lower your CPC by having, let's say, a good ad strength with a well-diversified ad is going to save you a lot of pennies. We could, uh, save actually probably about 2 or $3 a cost per click at least for having a good top placement with a good ad strength. So that's what I wanted to kind of touch upon there. This is not a glitch. I'm interrupting the video you're watching because I need to remind you that I'm always looking for people to join our team. So if you're passionate about Google Ads and you want to work with the best Google Ads agency on the planet, please go to solate.com forward slash apply. Speaking of working with the best Google Ads agency on the planet, if you're having trouble with Google Ads and you want professional help, that's what we do. You can go to solate.com, that's S-O-L-8.com, to apply for your free, no obligation action plan. And if I've given you any level of value at all, maybe think about giving me a thumbs up and subscribing to our channel. That's how we juice the YouTube algorithm so they actually know that I know what I'm talking about. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or confessions, hit me below in the comments. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. But any chance that you can to save money by having a really high quality ad with a high ad strength is going to be good, especially on manual, because you're going to want to bid for that top placement. And those top placements get very, very expensive. To give you an idea for let's say an emergency clinic type of keyword. If I go into the keyword planner, for example, and I'm going to use this website here, and I say top of page high bid for 24-hour vet in Fort Lauderdale, to be number four on the page is five bucks. To be number one is going to cost you $75.93, one penny higher than here. 
So just know that this is well known in Google ads, that if you have something of value to a person that is needing it quickly, that top position becomes very expensive. Or if the lead could be worth a lot of money, like let's say DUI attorney, did I spell attorney wrong? I did. It's okay. If you have a DUI, you're probably going to misspell attorney. <laughs> How do you spell attorney? I think you got it. I did. Was it that? I was yeah. like, so it looks wrong. Okay. Yeah, that's good enough. It's, I had a brain part there. But the top of page range high in the, let me do this actually, because I need to remove that. DUI attorney. You can get like oh in your God. Williamson County. <laughs> Apparently Williamson County likes to party because <laughs> it's $835 to be number one. But you can see here, like Georgetown, Williamson drunk driving accident attorney in the United States is $353. So you can get some really crazy CPCs because potentially these could be thousands and thousands of dollars in profit. So people pay dearly for it. So your ad strength. How could much be is the an Uber? Just out of curiosity in Williamson County. I was going to try that. See if I could. Apparently no one takes Ubers there. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. why. It's why they're all driving drunk. <laughs> right. So that's differences between phrase exact and broad on search. It is highly, highly situational. Actually, you know what? I'm going to give you a tool. and I'm going to use this actual client account. And I'm going to share with you how this looks in real time. Because I think this can also give you some insight into how this looks. So I'm going to share screen. And here's why I think this is important, which is the for the you versus Google. I think this is important. I sorted by average cost descending. My average cost is $30. My CPC bids are 100 manual because I'm looking for a very, very high placement. Now, you'll see the exact match here is what I'm using. And I'm using all of my good quality keywords. And I'm paying sometimes $99. Or sometimes I'm bidding 100 and only paying 23. It's just depending upon who is who I'm competing with. So when you see that the top of page bid is $100, that could also be only three hours a day and only when they overlap 6%. So don't use it as gospel. But I know I need to be number one. I need to own this without question. If you look at last week here, you'll see something died off very quickly. We had a lull here. And then this fell off. And then those things started seeing come back. This is at a $70 bid. This is at a hundred dollar bid. I was still paying 30 bucks though. But what happened was is we had a we had a competitor hop in and outbid us by about five percent and just kill the whole entire business. When you look at from an entire month perspective, it went from you know good consistency to nothing for one, two, three days. And I'm still spending a lot of money. If you look at my cost here. My cost is $500, $600, uh, $500. I spent basically you know, $1,500 to get nothing for three days in a row. And then I bid up and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, three click, uh, three conversions, three conversions, nothing, like two conversions. It, it all of a sudden came back. Now the clicks went from 16 clicks and to 24 clicks. It's not that crazy. I had 16 clicks, nothing, 14 clicks, nothing, 10 clicks, nothing, five clicks at a good position, 20% conversion rate. 24 clicks, three leads, 30 clicks, three leads. Conversion rate all of a sudden instantly went up to like 10% to 20%. So that was a craziness about bidding into positioning, where if you have a good position, you can get the 11% and 10% and 12% and you know 9% conversion rates, which is really good, but you need to be at that position. And my position here, the search top impression share were the high 70s and 80s and 90s. So that big positioning, that, that good positioning, 
is going to bring us a really good result. Also, the cost per conversion is 678. The average animal emergency vet bill is 3000. So we're going to pay for it. But it's either you don't have any surgeries that night or you pay for five, six hundred dollar leads. It's just the name of the game when it's in yeah, high competition. Seven surgeons sitting there twiddling his thumbs. We're in a 15 mile radius and there's like eight other clinics. <laughs> so it's and then you're just praying that there's a call and you don't want to pray that there's a call because it means an animal's hurt. Maybe just have a like a, a chew toy that they ate, like something non you know, non-crazy, but the dog's just throwing up. Like we want something like that. But yeah, it's so sad to these phone calls too. Is we listen to and manually score each one of these calls. Oh, yeah, and it's do it. oh, it's horrible. But that's that's the difference. If I was when we were on broad, nothing worked. Oh, I'll give you a really good example of exact matches. I think that this is important for everyone to know. So I said animal clinic exact match, and we got animal hospital near me. Good. I want that one. It doesn't have the word clinic in it. Only 50% of my exact match were, was showing in the search term. So this is what I'm bidding on. This is what I'm getting. So you see clinic was not in there, and this is no longer exact match. It says, hey, exact match, close enough. Good. I'm okay with that because the close enoughs mean that it, it works well. So animal hospitals, here's phrase. Check this out. Animal Hospitals got Vet Fort Lauderdale. That's actually not one that I really wanted. It, it had a 50% conversion rate, so I'm glad it worked. But that could also mean that a person is not really needing a emergency clinic now. They just need to schedule a FIDO for a teeth cleaning, which right. I was paying $40 a click on that. So I just got lucky there. But just know that it can go a little wonky, even with phrase match. Go a little bit too broad. Cool. And that's search campaigns. Uh, what's next, John? <laughs> what do they have to look forward to? Next, we're going to talk about YouTube proactive campaigns. Dude. Yeah, it's going to be fun. That's where uh, we spend all our money. Yeah, we spend a lot of money on YouTube. It's it's interesting. It's over 100 grand. It's a five grand a day Yeah, on just YouTube. Five grand a day just on YouTube. Yeah, just on YouTube. Okay. And what's interesting about it is the conversion tracking. You'll see it's horrible. It's horrible because Google's not quite there as, you know, did you see a video from us two weeks ago? But then you search the brand name. Sometimes it just gives it all the brand. Most of the time, it just gives it all the brand. So we're going to talk about setting up really good quality campaigns in YouTube, the proper bidding strategy, the proper device management, and then the targeting that is, there's some really kind of ninja tricks that you can do in the targeting that still work. Like target a person based on what websites they visited or showing a a specific website and showing some really good intent there. So that's next. It's a lot of fun. It's probably the most expensive network Google has, but it's the next TV. I really think so. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. I don't even think it's the next TV. I think it's TV now. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's where people go like to watch, learn, entertain. Yeah, it's so funny. It's like people ignore YouTube because they, they don't necessarily give it a good enough thought, mm. for lack of a better word. And when you are in a buying decision and want to know more, you go to YouTube. I mean, that's, that's where you go. So you're in that process. You're close to the decision-making point. Your bottom of the funnel can still be exactly cold traffic. There's such a thing as cold traffic bottom funnel. Cold traffic doesn't mean top of funnel. It means they just don't know where to purchase or who to contact yet, but they know they need something very specific. So YouTube is, is fantastic for finding people in their buying decision and then paying one to two pennies to put yourself in front of them. So it's really cool stuff. Cool. We'll learn that next time. In the meantime, thank you for watching the ultimate guide to Google ads. Thank you so much, everyone. And uh, like, comment, subscribe. Do the things. We'll see you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads Podcast. 
For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions 8 at sol8.com. Custom here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation? Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation. I said action plan a bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's sol8.com. S-O-L, the number eight, dot com.